Mary Shan, Molly Bloom ranged up on the outside. The two favourites sit down to fight it out. It's uh, Molly Bloom just in front from Mary Shan, who won't go away. They hit it. Oh, you'd probably say, you'd probably say Molly Bloom from Mary Shan, third over. They're both good fillies fighting out yesterday's eight-carat classic there at Pukekohe. We've spoken about her before, Molly Bloom, ace high. She cost 150000 at Ed Zen B, six starts, three wins, and two at the mile, past two starts for two wins. She looks exciting, and I think we might see her in Sydney during the autumn. But Blake Shin was called on to go over yesterday, and my personal opinion... He made the difference. And uh, Lance O'Sullivan, who was a former champion jockey himself, <laughs> will tell us. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Steve. Good morning. Do you think he did? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I've, I've got no no doubt about that. Um, you know, certainly the last the last 200 metres, I was very pleased to have Blake on board. And, you know, he, he um, the, the saddle slipped back a long way on it. I, I don't know if you've seen a photo, photograph of the finish, but it slipped back as far as you'd ever see a saddle move. Had a, had a very small saddle and it really moved a long way. Um, so he said it was certainly a, a hindrance to her. But uh, in saying that, you, you, know, um, you know, she'd been away from the track for a while. Uh, she hadn't had a barrier trial leading into it and there was certainly uh, a lot of upside, upside going forward, we feel, Having a having a uh, you know a bit more forward and um, yeah we, we certainly we certainly know there's improvement in it. That's Lance O'Sullivan from earlier in the week. Blake Shin is with us now. Good morning, Blake. Hi, Steve. How are you going? Good, thank you. He said he stopped talking. He went on in that interview to say he stopped talking because you knew everything about the race. You knew about the rivals, and he said that you just said to him, "Look, I'll come out and win this." <laughs> <laughs> it was well. I was. I thought it was that simple, but it just had to execute it and. Uh, yeah, it went pretty. It, it. To be honest, I never felt um, a moment to worry. Really, um, I know the caller had a, maybe a few anxious moments, but from my point of view, when I got out at the top of the straight, I, I know I had that target in front of me, that Murray Shan, and uh, I always thought I was going to over, overhaul it. And uh, yeah, we we got there as Lance indicated. There was a few. A few minor concerns with the saddle going back, and it made sense. Um, it everything made sense why she didn't draw away and win by two. Um, when you when you see the saddle shift back the way it did, so I thought her win had a lot of merit. She was a month between runs. The saddle slipped right back, but uh, it was great to have a feel of her. She's an exciting filly, and as you say, she might be Sydney bound after the Caraca Millions, um, which is her next next target later next month. Yeah, we, uh, that'll be back on the brand new Ellerslie track. I bet you're excited about that. There'll be a, a very big crowd there. So you're definitely going back to Ryder that particular day? Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, you know, that that, that was a plan um, by the team to, to have a feel of her in la- last uh, last uh, week in that eight-carat classic, and oh, this week, sorry, and... With a view to rider in the Caracas Millions and then on to, on the Sydney, hopefully. So um, at this stage, everything's everything's on track. Blake, just with Molly Bloom, what part of the race did that saddle shift? I would say it shifted probably at about the two fifty. Okay. All right. We're keen to follow her. I was just looking at some of your stats this morning. I hope I've got these right. Is it is it around twenty six Group Ones at the moment? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and of course, 51 Group 2s and 76 Group 3s. I actually looked at your first winner. It was clearly unique. I'm sure you remember it well at Kilmore in June 2003. <laughs> 
Well, interesting we talk about the saddle slipping. On, on that one, uh, my first winner, the saddle went right forward and I had no control. So um might be a thing that's still, that's still with me. But, um, but uh, that, yeah, that was a great day and, um, yeah, had, you know, had some nice wins since. Did you do your apprenticeship with your, your um, stepdad, Lee Hope? I did, yes, based at um, Kilmore and the family's st- still there. They're training half an hour um, up the road, Seymour. So, um, yeah, I, was, I, I flew from New Zealand to Kilmore, actually, or to Melbourne and spent some time with the family uh, on, on Wednesday. So that was nice, but they're, they're still there going well. So, it's, yeah, it's great, great to see them. How much has your style changed since 2003 to now, 20 years on? Oh, look, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's changed too much. I obviously you you continually evolving and getting stronger and you know fine tuning two things. But I think the fundamentals and the basics are pretty much quite quite similar to what, when I started. I, I like to think I always was quite a, a polished rider and uh, you know always worked on having a good technique, and that's how I've always been. Um, but like I said, I've, I've just tightened up a little bit since I've started naturally and just, you know, worked on being that bit, bit stronger and a bit more, um, you know, just a bit more mechanical and, and, you know, working with the horse a bit better. I even said with Lance, you know, watching Molly Bloom when she was back in the field last week, you sort of stand out because I, I reckon I could have put my coffee cup on your back there. It was that level. You've just got this amazing seat on a horse. Yeah, thanks. So, look, I, I've I watched up growing, um, you know, people like. Well, my idol growing up was Beedman, uh, Darren Beedman, and uh, but yeah, you know, guys like Mike Smith and and De, Frankie Dettori, um and you just try to aspire to be like them, and and you know, pick, pick bits and pieces out of jockeys that you that you like, and just work hard. So I, I've done that, and. Um, yeah, I'm happy enough with with how my my style is, but always there's always room for improvement, Steve, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah, I bet you're loving life in Queensland at the moment. You made a decision to to be here right through the carnival, the summer carnival, until uh, Magic Millions Day winds up. But I notice you're heading off to Melbourne for a few rides on New Year's Day. Yes, that's correct. Um, I'll just head back down there uh, New Year's Day, and I my family have got um, they've got a very big owner that's invested quite heavily back into their business. Um, they've had a fair bit of success, won a group one on their horse Fenway, the Vinery Stakes, and um, they've got some promising horses in the stable, and I'll go to Seymour on on Wednesday and ride a, a nice filly called Inez, Fastnet Rock filly out of a mare called Bring Me Roses. So she's had one start for a second, but um, you know that's the reason why I'll head down uh, back to Melbourne and hopefully get the job done for the for the team. All right, so that's Wednesday. We have to wait for our New Year's Day present, do we? And yes. <laughs> Yeah, it might be much value, but you might might be worth following. Just Peter Robel, and now he's a very good friend of yours. You know that you're spending lots of time with him, seeing you're in Queensland. And we had a really good chat with Peter when we were doing our outside broadcast recently. He was our special guest at the, the Gold Coast Turf Club. And his career itself was remarkable and cut short by injury. But he had over 12,000 rides and over 1,500 winners. But you've just got this wonderful rapport and even your regular contact. And he was telling us your own, you're, you're such a perfectionist and your own worst critic. If you, if you think you rode one not up to your expectations, Expectations? Yeah, always been like that. Um, probably not as hard as on myself now as I as I used to be. As you, you 
you know, I it's probably not healthy to be be that be that way. But you know, you you got to learn to deal with things a bit a bit better, um, which which I do, and, and move on. But um, you know, we always look at we always look at our rides and and just just take lessons from them and try and try and look at it that way and keep improving. But uh, you know, as a as we talk about Pete, I come to the stables here at the Gold Coast, caught up with him and. Uh, Good to see him doing really well, loving life, and um, getting getting some winners. Most importantly, I think he's training very well. It's good good to see. Just try and get him to slow down with the cigarettes a little bit. <laughs> <We watched him. laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. And uh, yeah, he's still probably still riding weight and puffing puffing a few few extra smokes than he was when he was riding. So. I guess that comes with with training racehorses, the stress of um, the stress of it all. But uh, anyhow, he, yeah. he's happy, and, and that's the main thing. We often talk about you know some of the battles with these young guns, like in Queensland years ago. We had Zach Pert and Michael Rod battling every week in Brisbane. I feel you in know, back. Uh, Zach was based down at with Trevor Hardy at Coffs Harbour in New South Wales, and we all remember that battle that you had with Nick Ryan, and of course Nick training Moon and Mac Damien's last winner. It's just you know how you've progressed from being gun apprentices to now you know being both successful in your own right. Now, Nick, as a trainer and yourself, as one of the best jockeys in the in the world. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, like from a from that point of view, with Nick Nick Ryan, you know, his his career was cut short due to weight, but uh, could have been could have been any anything as a jockey. So, you know, it gives me enormous satisfaction to be able to ride for him in in Melbourne and and ride for him quite a bit and get some winners for him. And he's he's forging his own own path and doing very well and. You know, I, I, we we seen with Monomac that great story with Damien Oliver, and it just showed, it just showed uh, what what Nick can do with a horse. He was a Hong Kong horse, and probably achieved what he what he could over there, and uh, it's got him to reach some great heights here in Australia. So no, it's good to see, and um, it's just a pleasure to be riding him. You know, every time you get on one of his horses, you know they're ready, and it's just a matter of me to try and not stuff it up. Yeah, you've written quite a few winners for him. Did, did, do you think divine intervention played a part that day? Because we're all watching the horse back in the pack and it was just extraordinary, wasn't it? How It was just a freak ride, you know, that he got through and, and got up on that horse, Moonumek. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think there was something like, you know, we've all been around racing long enough and there, as Darren McCauley said after the post the racing about the racing gods, and I believe, you know, there's certainly stories um, around things like that. We see Damien Oliver when he lost his brother Jason when he came out and won the Melbourne Cup. Um, that was, you know, that was a fairy tale. Um, you know, I've had a, f- a few good things in in my career where I know, like, talk about Peter Rober. We, when Guy Walter passed away, and we were helping Wendy run the stable, and our last, uh, my last ride for. The guy and Wendy, we uh, we got a horse ready. I've got the looks, and we managed to we managed to win. Whether that, uh, you know, I felt we had someone looking down on us. And we, you know, there's been moments like that in my career that uh, you know happened. So um, you know, there's definitely definitely someone looking down on us, helping us when yeah. times in need. I miss talking to him. He was just a, not only a great trainer, we all know he's just a lovely man as well. And when I even speak to Jamie sometimes from Proven Thoroughbred, they sound very similar. Um, and, you know, you, I always remember, you know, I start thinking of him when I hear Jamie's voice. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's, 
you'll always be remembered, that's for sure, especially yeah. in my eyes. So where do we sit Magic Minions Day, some of your key rides? Of course, Liam Pryor is managing you. So what have we got at this stage that you're locked into for, for Minions Day in a few weeks? Uh, nothing's, nothing's set in concrete yet. There's, there's um, plenty of irons in the fire. Um, plenty of irons in the fire with with the two and three year olds um, and a lot of the lot of the sort of undercards. Um, we haven't nothing firmed up. You know, there's horses going to them debut races, um, weight dependent run horses this week, like Paracel. You know, if she get, can get make her way into the make make her way into the field if she can win and like we're just we'll get over this week and then um still still 13 days out and then we'll start lock, locking in rides gee she's got some class on her side hasn't she paracel i mean she ran second to benedetta in the cockroom um and we know you know second to magic time in the neverson back in october that horse came out and won the rupert clark subsequently she was brave behind general bow i'm not sure if we saw the best of her last start down the straight but how do you think that might play out blake i'm not sure if you've done all the replays yet at these horses probably a, a task you might be doing today but what do you think about it here from the gate and what you might do in the nudgy paracel um look her form reads very well, as you say. Like she has to come in with the best form of the race around those around those Group One horses like Magic Time. You know, Benedetta's on the verge of being Group One. Look, she's a free-running horse. We she jumped out uh, after her last run, looked pretty good at Rose Hill. Uh, I, I naturally think she'll jump from the gate and roll, but there does appear a bit of pressure, but. How much pressure um, will determine where I'll place her in, in the run, um, but I, I can't make that call until until 100, 200 metres out of the gate where I'll, where I'll put her. Understand. Even Tamerlane's another good ride, but interestingly, a lot of his wins he's been able to roll. But there's a lot of speed in this particular race, isn't there, with him? Yes, there is. Like you've got Zoo Styles that's going to go and um, the face. Um, the horse that Heathcote's drawn inside. So we know he's led in Melbourne and he's quick from the gate. It's unlikely that he's going to lead Zoo Style given that he's stepping up in distance. But if he's if he's getting in a good rhythm to suit my horse, naturally free rolling, which I, I suspect this race is going to be run at a genuine speed, well, if he's third or fourth um, comfortably and having last crack at Zoo Style and... You know, that's probably going to be our best chance to, to run him down and hopefully win the race. Yeah, he was nice. Of course, he's nice and fresh. His trial looked uh, terrific as well. And even at Flemington back in October, he defeated Just Folk, this horse, and he that horse came out and won the Eclipse as well. So he's a class act in, uh, in, in Tamerlane there, certainly a classy conveyance. But you've got some wonderful rides. But what about this youngster? What do we make of Wolfganger? I just find him... I know he's short and he might win by default, but what do you make of him? Blake Wolfgang, one of your key rides here for Lloyd Kennewell. Well, I, I think he's a very promising horse. Um, it's obviously a high-priced yearling. He's a cracking sort. He's, I, I like his jump. Every time he's jumped out, uh, he's jumped out very well and looked looked like his ability, you know, looked like he's a horse that's got good ability now. He looked quite lost down the straight, but I feel it was actually a very strong race. Um, the horse that ran fourth doubling down, uh, Frank deformed. She got beat a couple of lengths down the straight that first run, but then it come out and 
um, beat a horse that I rode, Odison, which came out and won the English race at uh, Ramwick. So uh, Dublin Down Alley finished a little bit in front of Wolfgang on that day, and, and Wolfgang, I feel, as I said, got lost down the straight, needed the run. He took good improvement from that, went to Adelaide, had an easy kill, um, brings that form here, he's fit, goes to 1,200. Uh, all being well, I'd like to think that that he just just goes there and wins comfortably and goes to the millions and be one of the chances. Mm, of course, the horse he defeated in uh, South Australia as well, Colmar, uh, came out and won subsequently. So do you think you might just take bad luck out of the equation here with, with Wolfgang, the very short price favourite in the two-year-old? Look, I'm not going to say... Um, I'm not going to say where I'm going to be positioned in the run, but from barrier two, like I said, he makes his own luck. He'll put himself in the first first two or three pretty comfortably, looking at the the, the race horses and the unraced. Um, there doesn't appear a huge amount of pressure in the race, so but like by default he might just end up in front control, controlling the race, but if something wants to go, well, I'll just park second or third. I'd actually love to ride him. And, and educate him off something, but it mightn't be this race tomorrow. We might just um, we might just have to ride him like the best horse and, and get the job done. Yeah, Lloyd was telling us yesterday. You know, you you've been doing a lot of work with these horses. You even spotted it. I saw you at the Deegan Trials riding uh, some yesterday for Lloyd. Correct. Yes. Um, like Lloyd and Lucy, they've planned obviously in advance to to get these horses to to um, to Queensland and target. The Millions races, there's plenty of good prize money on offer. I think they've brought the rise horses up and part of the preparation. Um, yeah, we went to Deegan and um, give the horses a trial there yesterday and hopefully that'll tune them up for next uh, Saturday. Uh, uh, three horses run there. Yeah, Blake, I was just saying earlier, you know, your achievements, I'd be here all day if I was to read them all out, but even that Scobie Breezley medal, you know, you won it recently and you won it as an apprentice, the first apprentice to, to win that particular award. Yeah, that was look. I didn't expect to do that when going back to Melbourne my first year. So it was, and to be fair, I was pretty lucky to win it with, um, you know, what happened to Jamie Carr with the fall and all that, and win the win the premiership. So, you know, I had a bit of luck on my side winning that. But in saying that, I had a good year, and um, yeah, to win to win the to win the medal so far with years in between, it's you know. I, I'm pretty proud of that, but like I said, I had a fair bit of luck on my side. You've ridden a lot of different countries, uh, Blake. Are you, what's your, what are your plans? Is there something on, on the list that you want to do in 2024? Um, I do like to, I love to travel because I just think the experience you can get by travelling is, you know, you can it's invaluable. I would like to I would like to at some stage ride in the UK. That's something that's a bucket list that I would love to do. Um, I'd like to ride in Dubai, South Africa. Um, I was going to go to South Africa last winter and in June and July and ride for Mike de Kock, but because I had that title to go after um, when it was there for the taking, I, I decided to do that. So, look, there's there's always options. I'm fortunate I'm in a good position to be able to, you know, if I want to travel... Um, you know, I can be able to do that. So you got Hong Kong there as well. If I wanted to do that, um, but we'll just see how it plays out, how the how the season goes, and, and how I'm feeling at the time. But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with 
with how I'm going in Australia at the moment. Um, and I'll probably just start travelling around a little bit more like I am to the Gold Coast and I'll probably be in Sydney for the autumn. Um, yeah, so last season I didn't do that. I just wanted to get consolidated in Melbourne and give the trainers a bit more continuity and I think I've done that. Now we can start travelling ab- abroad and, and build that network um, Australia-wide and, and obviously Aust- Australasian-wide into New Zealand. Yeah, we only spoke... You mentioned South Africa. We only spoke to Callan Murray yesterday. He's absolutely flying at the moment. He rode over 150 winners for Mike Cox, so that would be a, a unique experience riding there. It would be, and I, I feel like having ridden in Hong Kong and some of these jockeys over there, they're my good friends, Hewitt Lyle Hewitson, Luke Ferraris, they're great talents. We've seen Douglas White champion jockey. There's a quite a big, um, a big uh, list of great jockeys that have come from um, uh, South Africa. So the prize money, it's not about the prize money. It's about a learning experience and, and what you can gain from it. And you know there are some good racing there, but I think going there you could you could just take a lot away from it, even if it was a six to eight week period. Yeah, I mean, we were blessed to see him in Glenn Schofield here many years ago riding for Bruce McLaughlin and, you know, Jeff, Jeff Lloyd. Lloyd and Robbie Fratt and, yeah, just yep. they came through that military school. Yeah. It scares 100%. me when they talk about that school over there, that apprentice school. Yep. <laughs> I don't I think have, I would have lasted. I'll have to, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I might have just got through. <laughs> yeah, you, you would have. I wouldn't have got through. Yeah. yeah. They said they'd clean boots, pick up the poo, and they're still going at 6 o'clock at night. And if someone wanted a sandwich, I remember someone was telling me, that Robbie Frad maybe, so one of the leading jockeys he was looking after as a valet, he said he felt hungry. Like late at night, he woke him up and said, go and get me a sandwich down the road at the shops or something. So he had to go down and put his clothes on and go and get him a sandwich. And he said that he ended up beating that guy in a race, in a big race. And he said, you know, he mumbled uh, some words to himself as he went past him. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, Blake, thanks for your time. Alligator Blood, no doubt, uh, highlight for you this year, running a group one on him too. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. He sits, like, you know, coming back and riding a horse like him, and especially for Gay, who has been instrumental, you know, at parts in my career. It was really, really, really wonderful, and he's just a he's just a war horse. So, you know, that, w- that was a really, probably the top, one of the top highlights of my, my season for sure. And did you get Pete an ashtray for Christmas? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. But um, no, I didn't. But uh, I'm, I'm just happy to have a, have a have a cigar while he smokes while he smokes about four to my one cigar. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the program. We're blessed to have you in Queensland right throughout the summer carnival, Blake. Good on you, Steve. Thanks, man. Yeah, one of the best in the land, Blake Shin, joining us this morning, Racing HQ.